Well, let's welcome back Coach Bruton. Coach, are there team updates for us? Not not big team updates, just getting ready for Benedictine. Um, had, a, had a very successful bye week and uh, feel like we're, we're getting healthy and, and uh, just preparing. You know, our guys are excited to play again. It feels like we haven't played in a long time, so excited, excited to get back on the field. And, and uh, like I said, just the focus right now is on Benedictine and, and uh, getting better. Well, let's talk a little bit about that bye week. How do you feel that this has benefited the club, if it has at all? Uh, you know, the big thing was we, we got some guys healthy, um, held some guys out of practice, and um, just, just gave them another week to recover, and kind of just those nagging-type injuries. It wasn't, you know, the serious injuries. It was the ankles. It was the kind of the sore muscles, things like that. So had a chance to get healthy, um, had a chance to refine some things, um, you know, had a chance just to get more reps for some guys, some of the younger guys in practice, things like that. But um, really it was a week of just fundamentals. It was a week of going back to our base stuff um, and then really really focusing on, on health. Um, and some of that's physical health. And, and like I think I said last week, a lot of it's just the mental health. You know, we give our guys off the Friday, Saturday, Sunday and, and give them the long weekend away. And I think for everybody uh, in our program, it, it was good just to get away from it and, um, you know, just just, you know, do other things, see their families, uh, hang out with friends, work on schoolwork, um, but just be away from kind of the grind of the season for a couple of days was good, and it, then kind of recharge everybody coming back on Monday. When you're in this bye week, were there specific areas that you were kind of focused on or just overall look at the team at this point? You know, I think uh, offensively it was it was just making sure we shored up some of our run game, um, you know, the, weren't really executing in the run game a little bit um so some of that stuff um you know working with our receivers just on routes you know we've um just making sure you know route depth and, and all the little things that that you talk about early in camp that maybe when you get into a weekly game plan type situation you're not focusing on as much but you know just <clears throat> route technique and route depth and things like that um you know our defense spent a lot of time working on tackling um so just you know, taking the right angles and, and that kind of stuff to the ball and just working kind of those base tackling drills and things like that. Um, so it was a lot of that. It was just a lot of just fundamentals. Um, but just trying to get better as a football team was the main thing. You know, it wasn't a week. You know, we didn't, um, we didn't introduce any Benedictine game plan or any scouting report. It was, it was all about Lakeland getting better. Now you take on Benedictine this week. They come off a tough loss against St. Norbert. So what, what do you look at keys at for this contest? Yeah, they're 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 a very good football team. I think um, you know they they suffered an injury. Um, their quarterback went down in the second quarter, and um, you know I think that obviously when you have a player of that caliber and he leaves the game, it, it hurts you a little bit. Uh, but we know how talented they are. They're really talented offensively. Their skill position players are very good, but I, I think their offensive line is, is a really uh, impressive unit. Um, the way they move, the way they uh, are physical up front. Um, so I think containing their explosiveness is going to be huge. You know, we can't allow the big plays. And, um, you know, they have a quarterback and, and, and a number of receivers that can hit big ones on you. Um, you know, the number of scores they have from, from, you know, beyond 25 yards just with big plays is really impressive. So just containing their explosiveness is going to be, it's going to be big. Um, offensively, we've got to find a way to run the ball. They've been very good against the run. Um, you know, so we've got to find a way to effectively run the ball and just keep um, – you know, keep ourselves in positive down and distance situations where we're not in the, the third and longs and, um, you know, not forcing Robbie into situations where it's obvious passing down. So um, you know, those are going to be the big keys for us. And, you know, like I said, they're, they're very good. It's going to be, um, you know, in our opinion, probably the best team we've played this year. 
Um, and we're going to have to play our best game, um, you know, to, to really to really stay competitive here. Now, I know that they did lose their quarterback for a majority of that contest, but it looked like St. Norbert was able to control their offense to some degree. Are, are, when you're looking at that video of that game, are there things you're seeing that you might be able to implement against them? Yeah, there's some things. Obviously, St. Norbert is, is different than us defensively. Um, you know, they're a little bit bigger on the D-line. I think that helped them uh, a little more physical on the D-line than we've been. Um, so I, I think there's some things from us just, hey, we, we understand we have to play more physical up front. Um, you know, I thought they did a pretty good job of, of just containing, like I said, the explosiveness. They didn't give up the big plays. They didn't um, give them the big shot plays. And, and that was really the key, you know, is just making sure we can contain kind of those big shot plays while also knowing that we have to stop the run. And that's kind of the hard part is, um, you know, St. Norbert's was able to do it by playing a lot of kind of looser zones and, and not pressuring as much. Um, we've had the pressure to stop the run. You know, so finding that balance between pressure, um, not pressuring, um, it, it's going to be the key. You know, I think that's that's it is, you know, can we get pressure with three or four? Um, you know, can we can we stay conservative on the back end at times but also be, be solid against the run? Um, and that's been the challenge for us. You know, I think when we've been able to bring pressure and play a lot of man coverage, you know, the, the Illinois College game week one was probably the best example uh, we were we were really successful defensively. What we've struggled is when you know we've gotten into situations where we've had the pressure to stop the run, and now we play a lot of man on the back end. So I think it's just finding that balance. You know, we're going to be healthy defensively, which is good. Um, you know, getting some guys back, which is which is helpful. Um, but yeah, that, that's it. You know, I thought St. Norris did a really nice job against them, and, and they got some pressure on Jarnigan early in the game, um, and just kind of just kind of contain the uh, the big plays. And I thought they tackled well as well. So. And that's going to be another big key is just, um, you know, when they do have completions or when the backs get into the kind of the second level, just making sure we're sure tacklers. They, their defense, five interceptions, five fumble recoveries this season, 13 sacks. As you look at this group, they, they look like one that forces offense into, offenses into creating mistakes. So what do you say to your offense to ensure that those kind of mistakes don't occur? Yeah, I think some of it is just staying, like I said, staying in positive down and distance situations. So, you know, if you get behind the sticks where now you're in obvious passing situations, uh, that's when you get into trouble. You know, that's when the D-line can, can really go. They have a really impressive uh, defensive end, uh, number nine, he, who's a, a transfer in that's um, got six sacks on the season. And he really plays with a great motor and is a really effective pass rusher. Um, you know, so so getting in situations where he's allowed just to just to rush the passer, knowing that the passing situation is going to be is going to be tough for us. So, um, got to stay in, in really positive down and distance situations. Um, you know, they have a veteran secondary. You know, two safeties that that have been around and have played a lot. Um, you know, they they flow to the ball well. So you know, they they do a lot of really good things defensively. Um, they have great size on the D line. You know, I think their interior defense alignment are, are really. Uh, Really good players and and uh, really do a good job stopping the run. So for us, I think it's just it's just staying in positive down in this situations, taking the easy stuff, taking the stuff that uh, they're going to give us, you know, and not forcing the thing downfield and things like that. So uh, that's going to be the key. Um, but you know, we just have to execute. I think if we execute, we feel like we have a good plan offensively. Um, it's just going to come down to, to us executing and and, uh, and doing the things we're supposed to do. Well, let's jump into fan questions this week, and we'll start with Kyle. He would like to know of all the positions out on a football field what is the one that is easiest for a freshman to be able to acclimate to and start playing right away when they reach the college level yeah it's a great question i think i think in general um 
you know, the positions that are probably furthest away from the football. Um, you know, so I, I think receiver, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, physically guys are ready to play at that position just because it doesn't take the level of strength maybe um, that some of the other positions do. Uh, sometimes in, in the defensive secondary, you can find yourself on the field. Um, but those are probably the two. I, I think the closer you get to the ball, the more your, um, you know, offensive line, defensive lineman, just a level of physicality and strength and size that it requires. A lot of times freshmen aren't ready. Um, you know, sometimes guys at running back are, are able to play a little bit sooner. We, we've been very, very blessed with some very talented ones, and they've been kind of ready to play earlier. Um, but it's tough. I mean, if you're, you know, we tell the guys that on, you know, any time in the recruiting process, if you can find yourself on a two deep somewhere, um, whether that's on even just on a special teams unit, if you can get yourself on a two deep, that's a pretty good accomplishment as a freshman. Um, we compare it to if you were a 14-year-old high school freshman, you know, trying to play on the varsity, uh, it, it's really tough to do. It's just a different, um, you know, different maturity level with, with guys physically maturing. Um, you know, when you're 18 playing against 22, sometimes 23-year-olds, uh, it's, it's just different, you know. So I think, I think probably the easiest, though, answer the question, the further away from the football you are, I think receiver's probably the one that we see guys most ready early, uh, you know, sometimes in the secondary. And then, you know, obviously if you have a special kid, you know, that can play, um, you know, there, there, there are guys that, that just develop at different times and might be more ready at a different position. Quinn says, Coach, why does it always seem that coaches like to defer to the second half when they win the toss? Why doesn't anybody want the ball first? Yeah, uh, good question. We we always defer. Um, you know, I think I think sometimes um, for me, you know, when, when teams are emotional, you start the game. Putting your defense on the field first. Um, sometimes it's a little easier to execute defensively when you're kind of really really jacked up. You know, to start a game. Um, I also think you can avoid the situation where um, if you take the ball, sometimes you get in a situation where the opposing team can score right before the half and then get the ball right right again. So you can get a situation where they can kind of get a two-for-one where they're getting two possessions in a row um, and kind of really flip momentum. And we, we try to always avoid that. So, so if you can defer, you know you're going to get the ball. So you don't have to give up a score right before the end of the half or something like that. You know you're getting the ball out, out of the half. Um, so I think those are the main reasons. Um, you know, I, we, we prefer to pref, uh, defer and put our defense on the field and see if we can get a stop right away and, uh, and then let our offense kind of settle into things. And it's kind of the way we've always done it, and I think, I think most – Coaches probably have the same philosophy. Um, you know, very rarely do you see a team take the ball anymore. Um, it's, it's a pretty rare thing. And uh, we've had some situations in the past where opponents have, have taken the win um, and, and have kicked off in both halves. You know, we've seen that a few times, and, and that's another interesting strategy that I don't really agree with, but we've seen it from some of our opponents in the past. But, um, you know, I prefer to defer, like I said. I want our defense to get on the field and let them play with the emotion and let them kind of kind of settle into the game. Um, and then avoid that kind of that two possessions in a row for the opposing team, you know, coming out of the half. I, I think one of the most underrated times of the game is, you know, coaches talk a lot about, like, the last four minutes and the first four minutes. So the last four minutes of the, se- of the second quarter, the first four minutes of the third quarter can really flip a game. And it's not looked at often, but, um, you know, how you finish the half and go in with momentum and then how you can start the half with momentum um, can really swing a game very quickly. Yeah, well, that's interesting because, I think when we first started doing these shows, a lot of fan questions were on, you know, what do you say or what kind of adjustments do you make at halftime? And you were pointing out to me that you don't necessarily make really any adjustments. You know, you're, you're, 15 minutes is a lot of time to make a lot of adjustments. So 
when you come out of that second half and those third quarter, what are you looking for from your team in that halftime to ensure that those four minutes don't go against you then? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think it's, you know, you are making some adjustments. So you're, you're talking about what they're doing to you and how you can best attack it. Um, so I think you want to come out and, and just, just be positive in that situation. So if we're getting the ball, um, we want to make sure it's not a three and out. We want to make sure that we put together some, some positive plays um, so you're, you're looking to go back to, okay, what, what worked? You know, what in the first half worked? Um, and I think that the other thing that you're thinking, and, and we always talk about the staff, is how are they going to change? So what's their adjustment? Um, you know, to what we've done or what success we've had, what, how are they going to change? Um, and you try to kind of predict that. Sometimes you're right. You know, a lot of times you are. Sometimes you're, you're way off, and, and they, they go the exact opposite of what you expect. Uh, but you're trying to figure out what their adjustment is going to be to then figure out what your adjustment is to that adjustment, if that makes sense. I think the biggest thing is is you can't wait to the half to make adjustments. Um, you know, you, you got to be able to make them quickly on the sidelines. You can't waste a, a second quarter saying, "Okay, we'll wait to get to the half to make that adjustment." Um, you know, whether it's a blocking scheme or it's, um, "Hey, we want to run this route combination," or, or this is something that we didn't expect to see from them, but now we have to to adjust. Um, you know, we've got some teams that have come out and, you know, back back when I was coaching on the defense side of the ball. You know, came out drastically different offensively, and maybe their game plan was they were going to try to spread us out and, and play a lot of empty sets or something like that. And um, you can't wait to, to a halftime situation to make those those adjustments, and that's a very drastic situation. Uh, but sometimes it's just, hey, we're changing a, a small change on, you know, who might be the puller in a gap scheme in the run game, and, and we're making that adjustment very quickly on the sidelines. And um, I think that's one of the benefits of having um, a veteran team. You know, last year, quite honestly, we can make very subtle adjustments with, say, you know, maybe a route or something like that, and, and we could just verbally make that adjustment with our receivers, uh, with our quarterback who was a, a fifth-year senior, um, where now, you know, maybe the guys need to see it or, or they can't quite process that information that, that quickly. Um, you know, so it's just, it's just some of those things. Some of it is you're making adjustments, but it's also what can they handle. Uh, what can your group handle without um, having practiced it, without having necessarily um, seen it on the board, seen it in film, things like that. So um, halftime is interesting. I think every halftime is different. Um, we got to be better in the second half. We have not been very good in the second half this year. Um, and part of that is adjustments. Part of that is just, just finding ways to stay emotionally engaged throughout the halftime and throughout the second half as well. Conrad asks, he says, Coach, I am enjoying the college football season because it seems like Georgia and Alabama flip-flop every week, according to voters. Who do you think really is the best of those two teams? You know, it's, it's tough. After week one, I was, I was really, big, uh, really big on Georgia and thought they were the best team. Um, Alabama has seemed better the last couple of weeks. Uh, my nephew's a sophomore in Missouri, so um, it was family weekend this weekend. So my, my brother and his wife and, and – uh, Obviously, my nephew were at the game on Saturday, so we were pulling hard for Missouri against Georgia, and I, I thought they had every shot to win that game and, and played really well. And Georgia definitely looked um, very beatable. So I think right now I, I'd give a slight edge to Alabama. Um, obviously, the Bryce Young injury on Saturday, you know, that's assuming he's going to be back and healthy and things like that. But um, you know, I still think uh, Alabama at receiver is a little bit um, – Still unproven at some of their skill positions. They're playing some some freshmen and things like that. Um, but that back looked really good, and, and uh, 
I, I think they're probably the, the team I'd give the slight edge to right now. And I think Ohio State is really close as well. It seems like Ohio State's getting better every week as well. So they may be the best of the group. Um, you know, but we'll find out eventually. Bama and Georgia are going to play at some point, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens when, when, when they get to that point. Neil would like to know if you think Penn State could knock off either Ohio State or Michigan. Uh, maybe Michigan, not Ohio State. I think Ohio State is, is a cut above in the Big Ten, and um, I, I'm not seeing. I don't. I don't think Penn State is, is is at that level this year. So I think it's Ohio State. I think Michigan has some flaws, but I'd still say Michigan's the second best team, and I, I would put Penn State probably in that that third spot. Aaron would like to know if you do not see the Bears being any good this year, or maybe not even next season. What is your projected timeline of when they finally put things together? 2040. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be. There, there are ways away. That the good news is that they have a ton of cap space coming going forward. Uh, they haven't spent a lot of money this year. You know, I think if they can go out and get, um, you know, shore up the offensive line a little bit. Um, if they can get, you know, a, a number one receiver. You know, they don't they don't have a number one right now. I think Mooney's their number one. He's probably a number two or even a number three. Um, so one or two big play receivers, whether that's in the draft or it's um, in free agency. Uh, you know, I think they did a good job drafting last year. They drafted some uh, some defensive backs um, that are playing early and I think are going to be nice players. And um, So I, I think on the defense side of the ball, they're not that far away. And, and that's the thing about the NFL. With all the player movement, um, you know, you're, you're only a couple players away sometimes. And, and, it's you know, it's a couple guys in the offensive line. It's a couple guys at receiver. Um, and then obviously the big thing is Fields has to develop. If he's if he's not the guy, you're probably you know five, six, seven years away from from really being where you want to be. And if he does develop into the guy, you know you're a lot closer than than maybe people think. So I've been impressed with how competitive they've been. I think they've uh, you know, they've been in every game for the most part, and we'll, we'll see. But you know they're 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 still a ways away from being a Super Bowl contender. That's for sure. Ian would like to know who you think is the team to beat in the NFC North. Um, I, I, I think it probably has to be Green Bay. Uh, I think I'd pick the Vikings beginning of the year. I know the Vikings beat them week one. Um, I, I honestly haven't been impressed with any of those four teams. I think Green Bay has got serious, serious flaws. Um, they just lack explosiveness offensively. Uh, I thought they were a mess on, on Sunday against uh, the Patriots at home. And, um, you know, I'm not. I'm not really impressed with any of those teams. It, w- it wouldn't shock me if the Bears were really competitive up in Minnesota and even won that game um, on Sunday. So, I probably would say the Packers just because of their their history and their their uh, you know with Rodgers and kind of that infrastructure. I think they're probably still the team to beat. But I, I have not been impressed with any of those four teams, and, and I don't know if any of the four are, are true contenders to win. You know. Um, win the North, obviously, but to win in the playoffs. I don't, I don't think any of the four right now are, are real contenders. So I'll go Packers um, begrudgingly, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender at all. Gary says, do you think Philadelphia is really as good as their 4-0 record would indicate, or are there some warts you were concerned about? I think they're pretty good. I mean, I, I think uh, yeah, they're running the ball really well. They, they got two really good receivers, and Hurts is playing really well. Um, you know, I saw something, I think, this week that, that they're favored in every game the rest of the season, you know, and, and obviously I don't think they're going 17-0, but, um, you know, they, they obviously have a, a 
you know, a pretty good team, and I wouldn't be surprised if they went 13 and four, or 14 and three, or something like that. So I don't know. I don't know if they're necessarily Super Bowl favorites. I, I don't think they are, but um, I think right now they have to be the NFC favorites. Um, looks like the home field would run through Philly at this point, and um, with their schedule, I think their schedule is pretty light the rest of the way. Um, you know, they they have a really good shot of being the the one seed, and I think that's a huge advantage, especially with the extra bye week and things like that. Donald says, Coach, give us some baseball picks. Who wins the World Series? Um, you know, I, I'm a White Sox fan, and the White Sox are probably the most disappointing team in baseball this year. So I have not followed it as closely as I normally uh, normally would. But, you know, I think uh, I, I think people are off the Mets a little bit, and understandably. Uh, but I still think with Scherzer and DeGrom, with, with those two guys in a series, you got a really good shot, you know. So I'm going to go a little bit, little bit uh, off the radar. I'm going to take the Mets uh, to win it, and, and they'll, they'll probably lose in the wild card round. Who knows? But um, I'm going to take the Mets with those two pitchers, and, and uh, I think the bolt, the back end of the bullpen with Diaz is really good. And uh, I'll take the Mets right now as my uh, as my pick. Next up is Chuck, who says, you guys have gotten off this subject, and I don't understand why. So I know that Coach Rutten is a big history buff. Coach, tell us what you think are the biggest blunders in battles historically of all time. Whew. Put me on the spot here. Um, you know, I think I think obviously, um, you know, invading Russia in the middle of winter, uh, not a great strategic decision. Um, you know, back in back in the World War II, I think it was World War II with uh, with Germany. I mean, you, you can't you can't give them that home field advantage in, in the middle of winter. Um, you know, not not a, not a great decision. Um, you know, I think uh, I think in general, some something that's that's a little underrated is just there's the home field. You look like the Revolutionary War, and, and obviously England had to come to our our turf to fight us, and um, that's a huge disadvantage. You know, now you're trying to like build build infrastructure and things like that. Um, you know, not not a great play. I, I think I think. Pearl Harbor, you can probably look at it and say not a great decision. Um, you know, we were we were kind of just just hanging out, you know, and you don't you don't uh, you don't poke the bear in that situation. Um, obviously, you can see the the ramifications with that. Like it was, Pearl Harbor was kind of um, kind of like when your little brother comes up and and and, uh, and kind of hits you like unexpectedly, and then you have to respond, um, and you respond, and the pain inflicted on the little brother is much worse than the pain that was originally inflicted. Not to say that Pearl Harbor wasn't a uh, um, you know, a deadly event or, or wasn't catastrophic, but uh, I think we, we we proved with some atomic bombs that we have a little bit more force than uh, than they did at the time. Uh, so there's a few, you know, off the top of my head. You know, I think you, you got to understand uh, who you are and, and, and not get ahead of yourself. But those would probably be the the ones that come to me. You know, um, you know, just, just off the cuff. Next up is George who would like to know, do you have a scary Halloween story or ghost story that used to freak you out? You know, not not uh not really. Not really. So you know, obviously I, I like Halloween and um we used to do some stuff, you know, when growing up we had some forest preserves that were by our house and there was always some you know, the stories about this forest preserve was haunted or, or all the stuff. So we'd go back in the woods sometimes at night and just kinda of walk the trails and um, you kind of make your own um, your own fear, I guess, if, you, if that makes sense. Um, so we would do that a little bit, but but nothing really that you know 
haven't encountered any ghosts or anything like that. Uh, definitely, yeah, I don't know if I believe in that stuff or not. I don't know that I don't believe in it, but I don't know that I do believe in it, if that makes any sense. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that stuff's fun, and, and um, you know, our, ki- our kids like watching kind of some of those, those scary movies. And uh, oldest son now, Colton, is um, in eighth grade. He's, he's into some horror movies, so we watched The Blood of Witch Project the other night, uh, me and him, and um, he obviously was a little spooked by that one. And I, m- I remember when that one came out, when that movie came out, um, you know, I was kind of unsure if it was real, and, it, you know, they did a good job making it look like a documentary, things like that. So uh, I remember seeing that movie in the theaters, I think it was a senior in high school, um, and being pretty freaked out by that one. But uh, that's really it. You know, we don't, uh, you know, haven't haven't had any encounters with ghosts yet, so hopefully that, that stays that way. And what are Coach Bruden's words of wisdom this week? Yeah, I, uh, this, this one's kind of one that's near and dear to my heart. So I, I was a political science major um, and, and really thought I was going to go into either law or politics uh, prior to, you know, prior to going into coaching. But, you know, I think you're starting to see a ton of political ads on the TV. And, um, you know, I, I just really want to encourage you to get engaged in the political process. And, you know, whether that means, um, you know, at a minimum, I think, I think it's voting. It, it's going out and, and, and voting. But beyond voting, it's, it's educating yourself. It's, it's educating yourself about the, the, uh, the issues, educating yourself about the candidates, um, it's really easy to say, you know, I, I belong to this political party and I'm going to vote with this party um, regardless. And, and I think a lot of people do that. And, um, but really go out and, 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 you know, educate yourself on the issues. Uh, we're about a month, you know, a little less than a month now from, from, uh, from Election Day and, and really encourage people to just get involved. You know, if it's, you know, maybe it's a donation or maybe it's, um, you know, helping uh, knock on doors or, you know, anything you can do to help uh, the political process. But, and we're really divided as a country right now, um, and, and I think there's some huge issues that um, people have very strong stances on, and that's great. Um, but but you know, go beyond go beyond just that, you know, and, and find a way you can help. And if you want change to happen um, in either direction, you, you got to be a part of making that change happen. So just encourage people to get involved. And you know, I know the political ads can get um, get a little extreme and get a little bit overwhelming this time of year, but you know, go out and really educate yourself on the process and, and uh, who, the, who these candidates are. Fantastic. Coach Pruton, thanks for joining us this week. All right, Rob, appreciate it.